You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 125. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Raven and the Writing Desk. This is the show where I share my fiction with you and keep you up to date on my writing endeavors. I'm out of town visiting my family in Michigan this week, so in lieu of a regular episode, I'm sharing another panel from Balticon. This one is called Crowdfunding Your Podcast. If you're a podcaster hoping to make money from your work, or have ever thought about becoming one, you should give this one a listen. So, without further ado, here's our panel. Who's, uh, who's moderating? That would be me, because if you suggest a panel, you become the moderator. <laughs> so, I will be moderating, but I will be contributing as well, um, but I will not be the moderator that is the only person talking. Um, because apparently, yeah, I don't you think suggest a no, panel, no, no, no. and then they think you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, unless, of course, you suggest a panel, because you do, and then they assign everybody else but you to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that happened to me. That happens, too. Yeah. <laughs> In the club. <laughs> it's, it's only particularly bad when it happens and it's for a podcast that you run and they think you don't want to be on your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to Crowdfunding Your Podcast at Balticon 51. We are going to talk about how to crowdfund your podcast and that we'll get into details what that actually means. But first, let's... Uh, introduced our guests here and they can talk about the the few means that they are crowdfunding currently. So let's start over here with Nobilis. I'm Nobilis Reed. I am the creator of Nobilis Erotica, the best and longest running erotica, erotic science fiction podcast in the known universe. I know it's the best because it's the only one. And it's, that also means that it's the worst. Um, <laughs> I have run a Kickstarter on my podcast and I now use Patreon. I'm Chris Lester, metamorecity.com and chrislester.org. I run the uh, podcast The Raven and the Writing Desk. Before that, I ran the podcast The Metamore City Podcast. I do high-tech, futuristic urban fantasy with underlying themes of social commentary. And I fund through Patreon, and I have done successful funding through Indiegogo in the past. And I am Nutty Nukchas. I am the host uh, and producer of the Nutty Bites podcast, where we highlight things that are awesome in geek in the geek world. And I started my Patreon <coughs> less than a year ago after putting up a PayPal donation link, did nothing, but also after people beating me over the head, please <laughs> crowdfund your podcast. And it's been great for me because it means that uh, thanks to the patrons, I'm now putting out twice as much content. I used to be a monthly podcast, and now I'm a twice-monthly podcast. And I think that this is a really good time for crowdfunding podcasts. Uh, We have a great platform, and I think that things are only going to go up from now. So let's talk a little bit. Just We all do Patreons, but that is not the only way you can crowdfund. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about what is crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is essentially... To me, the same as the pledge drives on public television and public radio. Mm-hmm. It is asking your listeners who are getting something for free to send some money and to help keep it going. 
it, there's a, a few differences along the way, but I see it as a, a direct descendant. It's also a direct descendant, I think, of the um, patronage model of the arts mm -hmm. from the Middle Ages. Especially if you wind up like I did in the early days with one patron who had 99% of the patronage. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing that I, I like to say is that crowdfunding, it's not advertisement. You know, you have people sponsoring you, you have people helping you, I, but it's not, you can have advertisement as part of it, but it's not you're not going out and selling ads. Oh, People well, are, yeah, you're yeah. not, yeah. That's a different funding it, model. Which yeah. then becomes, it's not starts to affect, yeah, it starts to affect your content model. And this is, you know. Well, see, I also do that. Yeah. The Novella Solarica podcast has one episode a week, which is uh, sponsored by Circlet Press, which is also the press that I'm published with. So there's a good deal of like what one would almost call a, a cross-funding purposes. cross -fund Well, yeah, because well, and, but the thing is that the reason I'm published with this publisher is because I love their work. The reason that they fund my podcast is because they love mine. So if it affects the content of my podcast to have this sponsorship, yeah. in my mind, that's a good thing. Yeah, well, because it's 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 mutually beneficial. Yeah. It's not they're making you put a Ford in every one of your stories. Right. So uh, how do you know when you can start asking people for money? I mean, anybody could do it at any time. You could, But when yeah. do you think is a good moment for a podcaster to think, maybe I should see if I can, if I can crowdfund? I think that you need to demonstrate consistency. You have to have a schedule for putting out your podcast that is consistent that you stick to and you have to have at least you know a, some kind of a track record to show that you're capable of sticking with it that's if you want to have a successful right <laughs> yeah i mean there, well the answer to this could be you know it's time when you ask and people give you money yeah <laughs> this is true yeah. there's uh, so i i know i know a guy because comes to balticon once in a while he goes by spiral he's an artist he has a patreon campaign I am his only sponsor, and it is not a monthly sponsorship, it is a per work thing. So when he feels like putting something up on it, he'll get a buck, but he hardly ever posts anything to it. Mm -hmm. It is not what you would call a successful Patreon campaign, because yeah. you look on his page and it has $1. But he started it with the idea that having a bunch of patrons spurs the artist to make more stuff. Mm -hmm. Making more stuff spurs the patrons to either increase their pledges or tell people, hey, look, here's this thing, right? It's a virtuous cycle. It's a virtuous cycle. And, and if that engine never gets running, well, then you have a Patreon that never actually transacts any money. But mm -hmm. even that by itself is not necessarily a bad thing because if he ever decides, hey, wait a minute, I've got a Patreon campaign and starts posting stuff to it, that engine can start rolling any time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that there's a bad time to start at all in your career, just keep in mind that if you're not posting regularly, if you don't have a platform, that engine is going to take a lot of work to get started. Whereas if you're already going in, getting your podcast a 1,000 downloads for every episode or 2,000 downloads for every episode, that there's going to be a good deal of push behind that getting rolling faster. There's another factor to this, too. Um, I had put out my my Patreon for The Raven and the Writing Desk about six months after I started the podcast. It started in, in May. And then in November, 
thereabouts was when I started the Patreon. And, you know, I had a few people who were on board and, you know, were chipping in a few dollars. But then in January of the next year, this was 2015, sorry, in 20, January 2016, I got laid off. And so I put out the ask, my listeners, look, we're, you know, in some real trouble right now. I need help. And so if you like what I do, if you, uh, you know, value this at all, now is the time I could really use your help. Mm-hmm. And my donations went up like this. And once I got a job, then it gradually trickled off. But it didn't trickle off to where it had been before. It By the, the end, you know, six months after I was in my new job, I was at about half of what my donations had been at their, their maximum yeah. when I was unemployed. But don't underestimate the power of a specific ask in response to legitimate financial need. Or yeah. for that matter, just I want to do the, an ask that says, I want to do this thing. You giving me money will allow me to do this thing that I couldn't mm-hmm. do before. Yeah. Because in my case, you know, the ask on mine is, I want to be able to pay authors for the stories that they send me. Mm-hmm. Not only will that allow me, because I can't write fast enough to get a weekly podcast out, not only that will allow me to put more stories in, but it will allow me to do something that I think we ought to do. It's like my I should be paying the authors for these and, rights. And you're paying pro rates at this point. No, I have no. not. It is no. a goal, but it's a goal. Okay, it's a goal, but I, I I'm currently paying. Okay, I work, I work in erotica. Mm-hmm. Pretty much the lowest level that somebody gets for a for a short story when they get it in print is twenty five dollars. That's okay. kind of the, the yeah. standard bottom of it. So that's what I wanted to hit. So you're at, the, you're at that rung. I'm yeah. at that rung. I would, uh, and I'm which is almost, good. I'm almost to the point of where the kind of the good rate for erotica is, which mm-hmm. is fifty dollars for a short story, which is still well below pro rates. Nobody gets pro rates for, for erotica. And then above that is one guy, Maxim Jacobowski, whose anthologies give 75 pounds, which runs out to about $150. So that's kind of the, the next yeah. rung up from that. And if I could start paying more than Maxim Jacobowski does, that would be awesome. There and then go. there's a goal on my Patreon that says, okay, here's what it would take to get pro rates. But I'm, since I also want to pay the voice talent, yep. that you double all those. because I, I like that progression that you've got going. For me, when I started... My Patreon, it was, I, for a long time, did not feel comfortable asking people for money to do this thing that I absolutely love to do. But there were two reasons. One, the biggest complaint I would hear about my podcast is it wasn't enough. It was, I want more. How, how can you only put out one a month? And I, I need more than that because most podcasts are, are weekly or twice monthly and the other issue is I had an increase in server rates and my fees are due in the first week of January when money is always very tight anyway and I I hummed and hawed for a few months and I said oh we'll see what happens and so I, I put it up I didn't have a video or anything and I fought through my internal struggles of I'm not good enough kind of a thing and I put it up and I think that um it was great because it meant part of my thing about being able to do more than one show was when I make a show, I have to take time away from my paying job. I'm a freelancer. If I'm not working at work, I'm not making money. But if I can make the barest minimum, just a little bit of money, I can excuse myself from that workflow and say, I can make a podcast. And I think that was good to get me to put out a little bit more content. And 
I'm going to call on uh, Dave Slusher here in a minute, but you talked about, well, what happens if you set it up and you only got one person, you know, and Dave always talked about, what if I host a party and no one shows up? <laughs> and that was my biggest fear. I was so scared that, oh my gosh, I'm going to ask somebody for money and nobody's going to do anything and I'm going to feel so stupid for even asking. But Dave, you started the Patreon to get yourself to produce more, right? That, yeah. So before we even do that, I, I do want to talk about yeah. the comfort. Oh. The, 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 what you just said there is an extremely, I think, key thing to all this, which is if you're not comfortable asking people to be your patron, that is the kiss of death. Because I listened to a person who had a Patreon campaign, and they were clearly, they said as much as I am uncomfortable, but here's the thing. If, if you're not comfortable with it, how do you expect me to be comfortable with this? Yeah. So I said, either you need to never talk about this again, or you need to get yourself comfortable. Do not do this this way, because you're subtracting value from your campaign by being so visibly, noticeably uncomfortable. So you've got to find that in yourself, however you can make yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and, uh, and the tonic that I would prescribe for that feeling is a book by uh, Amanda Palmer called The Art of Asking. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in crowdfunding and you haven't read this book, you need to go and get it and read it. There's also a, a brilliant audio version that she narrates herself and includes some of her music in that, it, that turned me on to Amanda Palmer music because uh, somebody told me the book for the crowdfunding and, and then, because she has like one of the most popular Patreon campaigns. Yeah, there, yeah. So. For those unfamiliar, Amanda Palmer had a, I believe it was a Kickstarter and it became so successful that she was able to do all of these tours and these videos and, and pay people the rates that they deserve. And it really opened the world to look at, wow, this crowdfunding thing works, and suddenly people are making movies using it. And yeah. If I recall correctly, it was the first one to top over a million dollars. <coughs> yes. Right. It was the first million dollar Kickstarter, and her Patreon, basically, if she wants to, she never has to sell an album again because yeah. you could live very nicely on what she makes on yeah. Patreon. So I wasn't um, trying to duck your thing, I just wanted to. That's absolutely right. You have to be comfortable with asking people for money and like I said Armanda Palmer Art of Asking absolutely the best place to learn that yeah and I uh, told Dave and that's much how to but just that you should yeah I told Dave ahead of time I'm going to be fishing for him (laughs) in the audience because he is one of the people that inspired me to start asking yeah, and so to, for and your, to do the you thing. just asked, is there was a there was a prototype person who I heard I was I had tried out their podcast and just by nature of kind of my place I've listened to, I've subscribed and unsubscribed to thousands of podcasts at this time you know over the last thirteen years and so I listened to this guy and he had a kind of a marginal podcast that I didn't love and I didn't hate and he had a Patreon campaign and I went and looked and he had two people a one dollar a month and a five dollar a month and this Patreon campaign had been running six months I want to say. And it was exactly like, you know, your, your guy with the one. And that put me months behind because I just didn't want to get in that position where I thought this is actually worse than doing nothing, is getting, a, you know, getting something like that. And I, that, was, that was my impediment is. Yeah. But it's not worth than, it's worse than not nothing worse than as we're realizing, yeah. which yeah, is great. Yeah. So what are some of the platforms? We've, we're talking about Patreon. We'll explain how that works. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the platforms that people can use to crowdfund a podcast? So, I mean, it depends on what you're trying to to do with it. Mm-hmm. Things like Kickstarter and Indiegogo or GoFundMe are good for one-time costs. Yeah. I did an Indiegogo in order to raise the money to get this recorder when my old 
recording system crapped out on me. And so I was like, hey, I can't do the podcast without a recorder and I'm broke. Can you help me out? And so my, my patrons chipped in and they helped me get the money to get this recorder. And so they're good for that. For ongoing support of a, a creative project, I really feel like Patreon is sort of the only game in town right now. I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. Um, I don't know any podcasters who <laughs> do it, but I know comic book artists who do both Patreon and Kickstarter. They have an annual Kickstarter to fund a print and ebook version of all the strips that have run in the year. And basically that capsule is a one-shot thing for that year's annual compilation. Which goes to the idea of it being a, you know, good for a right. self-contained but they run, thing. But they run it every year, mm-hmm. and every time they do one, they put messages out on all the previous Kickstarters because all those stay active and you can still message with the previous ones right. when you do start up the next one to get to remind people who are not into serial content that they want complete things, right? Yeah. So if I was still doing podcast novels, mm-hmm. if that was something that I would be doing, I would be doing both Patreon and Kickstarter. Mm. Because you know, at the, when, you know, after something is run, then okay, now I've got an audio book and I've got a, an e-book and I've got a print book. I can run a Kickstarter campaign for the people who are not that kind of, you know, they, they want to binge mm-hmm. stuff and so they, wanna, they don't want to see it until mm-hmm. it's done. If I was in that, and, and to be honest, I'm looking at possibly in 2018, once, you know, kind of I have the, the infrastructure for things to the point where I can segregate out the, the stories that will go into a compilation, doing both. Yeah. Now, doing a Kickstarter campaign is, to do a successful That's one, a whole other panel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, what, but what I wanted to get at was, that's something where you have to put in a huge amount of effort over a short period of time. You have to, like, set aside a month. Yeah. Or to prepare, and then a month to run it, mm-hmm. and it's a really big, hairy deal. And as a result, it it disrupts everything else that's going on. Whereas Patreon is something you can you can like spend a couple of weeks where you're really kind of pushing hard on it, and then just kind of let it roll for a little while, go back to it some other times. It, it allows you to spread the work out over mm-hmm. a longer period of time. So, so um, there are a couple other things. Uh, the history of podcasting, you know, crowdfunding a podcast was a PayPal link, donation link on a website, which for the longest time was how most people were doing it. And there are still some podcasts doing that. And that is totally a legitimate way of doing this and not having to worry about rewards. Because we'll get into how Patreon works with rewards. But there's also some podcasts that uh, I believe it's Michael Butler. I mean, people send him checks to a P.O. box sometimes, you know, or sends them cash in the mail. And you can use all of these different platforms simultaneously. Uh, the Bycast, uh, which is a nonprofit, they have, I think it's a caregiving or something like that. And it's a specific donation platform set up for nonprofits. And that's what they use to help fund their podcast because they're not trying to get into the whole reward system but they're looking for, look, if you really like what we're doing and we're putting out there, you can help pay for server fees and get us into conferences and things of that nature. So we're going to talk about Patreon because that really seems to be the big game right now. And the model here 
is you put out your podcast and the cool thing is now you can get a special RSS link through mm. Patreon. So there, it's they, great. They basically have finally figured out a way of making a podcast for pay yeah. actually work. There are some podcasts now that's on RSS. It's a real podcast, but you can't get it unless you're in the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, Abigail Hilton. Yeah. And there were attempts in years past, and it was a big tech hurdle. I remember Sonic Gold, which was Sonic Society's payment model that they did for a year, and Mm -hmm. they had to make an RSS link hand-done for every single person. And there was a password that you would use through iTunes to get this RSS feed to work. It was too difficult, but Patreon has made that very Mm -hmm. easy. So there's some things that you have to consider here at the outset. Number one is whether you want to run a exclusive podcast that is just for pay. This mm-hmm. is the model that Abigail Hilton is using for her Cowrie Country. And, and she speaker. kind of gradually moved. She to gradually that. moved to that, but that's where she's at now. The only way to get her podcast is to be a patron and to pay for it. To get it as a podcast. To get it as a podcast. You can get some of her stuff, her, some her of the, status updates, by mm-hmm. following her on Patreon right. and listening to it off of the, off of the app. Off but the if app you want the RSS website. feed, if you want to use yeah. it, do it like a podcast, and if you want to get all the episodes, yeah. you know, you have to be a patron. So you're limiting your content to a very small audience. Well, comparatively. Comparatively, right. comparatively to all the people who would listen for free. The percentage of people who are willing to pay for it is a subset of that. Yeah, but it's getting, um, it's getting wider. It's getting wider. But if your concern with your podcast is getting it in front of as many earballs as possible, then that is not yeah. the way to do it. However, it does mean that you have something that you are actually selling that people know that they have to keep paying for if they want to keep getting it. The second model is to have a podcast that is for free, but you have premium content, you have bonus content that goes out early access. on your Patreon. My research has suggested that early access is not nearly as big of a deal mm-hmm. for podcast listeners because podcasts are time-shifted yeah. anyway. Right, right. There are some people who try to offer early access as an incentive for being a subscriber. And you know the thing that I've heard back in my research yeah. is, I don't want to get the same thing twice in my feed. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but so, Patreon now has it where you set it up and, and they, they have an early access button. Mm-hmm. So you put it in and it says, okay, I've uh, but that all the patrons yeah, get but it. But that doesn't actually solve the problem. No. Right. So this is the model that I'm using for the Raven and the Writing Desk. There's the, the main podcast feed is available everywhere that podcasts are available. It's free. But then if you subscribe to the Patreon then you get access to a premium feed where you get my behind the episode commentaries where I'm talking about the development of the story and the ideas that went into it and things of that nature. So that is still giving something of value Mm -hmm. that's extra for the people who are in the Patreon. The third form is to do what Ursula Vernon does, which is to just make your Patreon a tip jar and Mm -hmm. say, I'm not having any reward levels. I have two subscriber levels. One is a dollar a month. You get nothing. The second level is two dollars a month. You still get nothing, but you get twice as much of it. (laughs) And so she's just very upfront about it. It's like all of my stuff is going out for free. This is just your way to express your appreciation. And because she's Ursula Vernon and she's amazing, 
Yeah. That works for her. Right. So what but, are some of the rewards that you would give outside of special bonus content, some of the things that you think will bring people to your crowdfunding campaign? On mine, I have three levels. I have the $1 level is the thank you very much for support. And I do offer the episode as soon as you want it. But in order to avoid the two-feed problem, that one actually doesn't go on to the, the Patreon feed. It's an attachment. It goes out the email. People who really want it, they can grab it ahead of time. I do have a few patrons who like that, but they're all at higher levels. <laughs> Most of my $1 patrons are just, we love what you're doing. Just keep helping doing it, that kind of thing. And $1 is really easy to get people to commit to. Um, the $3 level is where the exclusive audio content comes in. I've got a serial that runs once a month that I've just concluded the most recent story. I've got to start a new one. And that is only people who are patrons get that. It's going to be an exclusive content level. $3 patrons. And then the $5 level is where I do things like polls for the next thing I should do, and I'll post a little piece of a work in progress, or screenshots of my editing board when I'm when I'm doing something with some special effects and stuff like that. I'll post a screenshot of my Reaper console to say, you know, hey, look, I'm doing something interesting. Maybe you can figure out what I'm doing from looking at this shot, that kind of thing. And that seems to work. So far, well. all of your rewards are digital, though, not physical rewards. Yeah, mailing stuff out has so many risks associated mm -hmm. with it. Things get lost in the mail, things get misdelivered, things get damaged. Shipping costs, because it's an international mm -hmm. thing, shipping costs of, you know, a lot of places can be tremendous. And I don't want to disadvantage a Canadian mm -hmm. listener or an Australian listener or something mm -hmm. like that. I'm on Patreon on both as a patron and as yeah. a producer. I'm on a lot of patrons. I do not see physical rewards show up in mm. Patreon very often at all. Okay. Um, and when they do, they're really high level. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in fact, I just added a $100 level to my Patreon mm -hmm. to say, if you give me $100, I'll actually write a story based on your instructions. That's actually pretty low compared to a lot of other people who do, but it's, it's more than for you me. get paid for selling the story. Yeah, it's more than I get paid for selling a story. So that's the command performance. Yeah, level. that's a commission. Yeah. Uh, some rewards for you? So things that I do, I have my base dollar a month that gives you access to the behind-the-scenes commentary podcast that I do. $3 a month is what I call early access. And so for that, I will put out periodic story previews, like an excerpt from something that I'm working on or an announcement of these are the things that I'm focused on this month. If I have a upcoming piece of art that I've commissioned, I'll show like previews of the art, like here's the, the mm -hmm. designer's concept art, the sketch that they're working, you know, the next piece that he's working on. The actual creation of the bonus art itself is a milestone goal, which is a separate thing. But right now I'm at it such a level that I have a milestone goal of a black and white story illustration every month mm -hmm. that I've commissioned somebody to work on. And so the early access people get to see the developing stages of that. At the $10 a month level, then I have what I call the Creators Council. And these are people who I go to with questions, looking for their input on what I'm going to work on next creatively. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, like, I've got these three story ideas. I'm not sure which one I want to work on next. Which one do you want to see most? And then yeah. they'll, they'll vote. I'll put up a poll for them. And then there's the producer's credit, which the producer circle, which is the same as the creative council, but they also will get a special recognition in, in my next book. Mm. So 
for me, I think I'm way too nice and mm-hmm. I like giving people things and, and I mm-hmm. thought I was being stingy. When I started my campaign, I had an early access reward level and everyone who donates, no matter what level of patronage, it used to be that you could give like a penny an episode if you wanted, but recently Patreon has changed it and you can't give anything less than a dollar. But anybody, they all get thanked on the air at least once a month. They all get the special RSS feed. I don't end up having duplicates because I just make one post for early access and it goes from private to public after it goes live on the separate RSS feed. So people can subscribe on my website to the free feed and it all comes out at one time or they can use the special RSS feed. Oh, okay, so you're using either or. Yeah, one of the things that drives me crazy as a patron is having a feed for my special content and having to go to the free feed for everything else. I want it all in one thing. Mm. So I designed mine the way that I would like to consume. It could be wrong or not what other people like, but that's what I do. So doesn't that mean that, okay, so everything is in both feeds. It's just- Yeah, yeah, everything's in both feeds. The only thing that's specifically in the Patreon RSS feed is we will do some content that won't ever make it to the main feed. Those are called Nutty Bites After Dark because Nutty Bites is a PG podcast, so there is no swearing. (laughs) Nutty Bites After Dark, there can be swearing and serious adult themes. And that's when my co-host Tech takes over producing and just has fun and it may go crazy and that's just for the patrons. <laughs> and that will never go on the other feed. There was one thing I forgot to mention earlier, yeah. which is that for my high dollar patrons, yeah. people who have given a large amount, yeah. either all in one chunk or over the course of a year, I have a Christmas present that I send out. So whatever my most recent book is, I'll send out an autographed copy to everybody who's contributed yeah. over a certain dollar amount in the, the course of the last year. That's nice. I like And that. that's just, that's yeah. my... That's a bonus. And it's a bonus. It's I not know. announced on the yeah. feed. It's not announced as a part of the reward system. It's just my special thank you yeah. to them. I wrote my reward levels very vague. Mm-hmm. because I wanted to be able to do that if it was successful, but I also didn't want to end up painting myself into a corner where people expected things and I might not deliver because shipping or whatever. Right. Uh, so when I started, the $5 level is if you are supporting at $5, you get a piece of art once a year. That I am an artist, so you get a piece of my art once a year. When I started it, I said anybody that joins at the dollar and I had a limited amount and a limited time that this was available. They would get a piece of art that first year. And they wouldn't get it every year, but they would get it that first year. And it would be an original, not a print. And that got, I would say, 70% of my patrons. Nice. Giving a higher reward level at a lower stage really on. Yeah, yeah. got people paying attention and it wasn't a well I'll do it when I when I get paid or I'm going to do that but I'll do that later yeah, it was yeah. I want to get in there and it had that sense of immediacy the next level is you become a member and you you know I make a little special badge whatever and mm-hmm. again that's a one time deal and you'll have to have been doing it for a year everything is based on a year cycle the next is you get a t-shirt a special t-shirt for that year. And you may have seen some people walking around with these t-shirts. Only one of them got that as a reward. He wasn't at that reward level, but because we bumped up to two episodes a year, I gave him the next reward level because of that. And I offered all the patrons, I said, yeah, you can get this t-shirt for this price. And then after Balticon, it's gonna go to another price. And then 
things of that nature. And I go all the way up to the producer where you get to decide what the show's about. And I kind of had some fun with it, but I think I'm being a little too nice. But that's okay. I'm not going to change it. One <laughs> thing I like about it is if you don't set your rewards to a level where you have to do something, you can do something really cool like, oh, I don't know, just send postcards to your patrons even mm-hmm. though it's not a reward level. And then you can have some fun. I know some people who uh, they'll send a handwritten note just out of the blue. Nice. There are some people that they break their patrons up, say I've got 20 patrons, I'm going to do this many, send a little something this month and each month do a little just a little bit and that really does help so before we open this up for questions i want to just quick do's and don'ts that you think are important to think of there's one thing that i want to be really clear about as far as the ask is concerned as far as i'm concerned the ask should go to your audience Mm -hmm. people who enjoy your work should be the people you're asking or might enjoy your work Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people in our podcasting community who are doing patreons And I have gotten a few asks from people who are my personal friends, but whose podcasts I don't listen to. Oh, you mean people directly asking you, not the pitch. Giving me their Patreon pitch to get me to to patronize them as a friend rather than as a listener. Yeah, because if they listened, they'd know you had a campaign. Right. And in fact, I knew he had a campaign from the social media stuff that this person had done broadly. So I already knew. And the reason I wasn't patronizing it is because I didn't consume their content. Didn't consume their content. Whatever your reason was, was. it was your reason. And the personal ask put me in a position of rather being able to just ignore it to have to say no to a friend. And it put me in what I felt was a very difficult position. Not very difficult. It put me in a mildly Awkward. awkward position that I did not like. And I would rather people didn't do that. Now, when this discussion came up on Facebook, there was a lot of people who said, oh, no, 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 you ask. Absolutely everybody and every friend you have, you ask personally because that's the only way you succeed. And, and I was just reminded of being unemployed in upstate New York and looking for jobs and an insurance company came to me and said, well, we'd like you to sell insurance. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm just this kid, right? I don't run in those circles as well. You got family, right? You could sell to them. And I was like, all right, I'm done. And I don't like when my friends do it to me. I'm not going to do it to them. And I also don't like being in a situation where you're a patron of my podcast, I'm a patron of your podcast, we're passing the same money back and forth, and Patreon is taking a cut of every cycle. So The one side of that particular, that last thing that you said, that can be good is when people see that you're supporting, it can encourage others. Yes, I agree. And very often people will look at a patron to say, okay, who is he supporting to see other things to patronize? So that aspect has some benefit to it. Mm -hmm. That one to me is, is, I don't want to see a situation where the same 10 people are all patronizing each other's podcasts. They take $10 in and put $10 out, or rather put $10 out, get $8 in, and and Patreon gets the two, and they're the only one who's who's winning. I'm focused more outside the community. I've never made an ask inside it. Everybody's aware that I've got a Patreon. If they want to support it, they're welcome to, but I don't want to get into that kind of... um... My slight horror story, I have no problem telling people no. Because we all have issues, and I I did have a couple of different patrons drop their patronage for various reasons, and I know that some struggled with it. They had a difficult time with it, and no, no, no. What you did was great. You don't have to continue. Like, mm-hmm. there will never be any stress or guilt coming from me in that side. And so I would like to feel that anybody I know would understand that. 
There is a person that I am not going to name, but there is a person who I have helped with a pledge music campaign in the past. And I had them on my show. Uh, we talked about the campaign and we went and did the regular show and everything. And we had spoken and had good conversations. And then at some point, the only time I ever heard from this person was when they had a crowdfunding campaign. Mm. And they would start sending me messages about the crowdfunding campaign. First it was for promotion, and then it was just, can you share these links? Can you donate? And we are no longer on speaking basis, not because I have decided we can't be friends, but because they have decided that I am only an avenue for their crowdfunding. And it can be said. There are going to be people that will tell you up and down, you can do DMs and it will work for you and you won't ruin friendships. And they may be right for them. But that is something you need to think about when you present yourself. If you're sending direct messages, emails, etc. to people to fund your campaign, you are taking a risk with that relationship. Mm -hmm. And you need to think about that. It may not be a dire risk. Yeah. It may only be 1%, but you are taking a risk with that. You are, you are. I know if I sent you a DM, especially now we all know this. If I sent you a DM (laughs) saying, can you back my podcast? You would not feel comfortable with that at all. Whereas there may be people that I know I could say, this is my Patreon. Can you back Mm -hmm. it? And they'll be fine with either saying yes or going no. Yeah. What's wrong if, with I you? Mean, if your social, me- if your <laughs> social media yeah. campaign, mm-hmm. if your social media campaign to reach potential patrons yeah. is not hefty enough that your friends that follow you on yeah. Facebook and Twitter don't know about it, mm-hmm. then that's where yeah. the problem lies. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And again, it depends on the situation. Like when I did the Indiegogo to raise the yeah. money for this recorder. You so weren't producing because you I didn't have pro- a mic. I wasn't producing because yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a mic. And I put out the ask specifically yeah. to my friends. Hey, guys, I need some help here. Yeah. And yeah. it's an emergency that's, situation. That's a little different. Yeah. yeah, when it's an emergency, when there's like exactly. a you know an outside disaster that you can't you know. And we already had your we, established podcast and mm-hmm. relationship. Again, every like life, everything you do, you have to know the circumstances. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's a pet peeve for me as a patron, as somebody that donates, I do not like it when I see somebody say, I'm not starting this podcast until I get this amount of patrons. Yeah. Good luck with that. No, I'm not going to support you. Even if I think you're awesome and you've done things, again, it depends. There may be specific things like I can't do it because I'm doing this as a paid staff thing. Okay, then that's like a different situation. And the other thing is I don't trust somebody that's not supporting other artists. If you are only there to collect and not to give out I don't really trust that. And I know that there are going to be people that say, but what about this person? And that makes perfect sense. And that's fine. I know for myself, I will not put my dollars towards somebody that does not support others. We should probably Yes, we need to go for questions. I just wanted to get that. So... Questions. Yes. Is there a setup fee, a manual fee, a monthly fee? No. Commission or how does it work? So what they do is people can use PayPal or they can use credit card. I have found out that if you use your credit card instead of PayPal, you get more of a percentage. And PayPal doesn't charge you anything, but they're charging Patreon, so it ends up coming out anyway. So if you're a patron, using your credit card instead of PayPal is actually better for the creator. Wow. Um, 
And when you get the money, there's a couple of ways that you can do it. You can have monthly transfers and there's a set of fees for that. And you can have one-time direct deposit. I know for myself, I do the one-time direct deposit. You got to set it up with a bank account. Mm-hmm. It takes a couple of days. They're basically making sure nobody's stealing your money. But the, the quick answer yeah. to your question is they take a percentage. Yeah. You can start your campaign get everything yeah. set up, and take six months getting your first patron yeah. and you will not pay a dime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't pay anything mm-hmm. really until that percentage yeah. isn't taken until you actually get it to your bank account. And you will mm-hmm. evaluate based on how much you have earned which method is going to yeah. be cheaper for you. Right. There's differences in how the money is paid out. Like you can have it sent to your bank account by Stripe, yeah. which is cheaper than having it sent to your PayPal, but it takes three to five business yeah. days. Yeah. PayPal, you get it instantaneously. Except so, it's in your PayPal, and unless you're using PayPal to pay for other things, it still takes three to five business days to get to your account. But that's why you have a PayPal credit card, oh. like a PayPal MasterCard. That's what I do. So. I only have the PayPal it, MasterCard uh, yeah. so I can accept uh, pay- money. <laughs> I don't want to get into it, yeah. but I have reasons for not using PayPal. Yeah, so, and, yeah. and those are valid. Yeah. Okay, a comment on the question is the comment is it's Patreon's fault for those ads because when I started the Patreon, they say, okay, I got the page ready and ready to go. They told the, you to do it. The first thing you do is contact all your friends and family directly and ask them for it. So blame them. I didn't do it because I did not yeah. want uh-huh. I wanted to use Twitter, Facebook, and just say it's here and it's your decision to come forward. But here, here's a question yeah. I've heard different opinions on it. How often should you use the megaphone of your social media presence to mention the existence of the Patreon account as opposed to just, oh, I've got Well, that's just like social media marketing just in general, right? Mm -hmm. For my own part, I use a a tool called Buffer, buffer buffer.com, to set up my basically advertising campaigns on Twitter and Facebook. And on their free level, you can send 10 messages a week for free. And so I just say, okay, well, I'm going to do mine during the time when most people are online, which is while they're in the office. It's true. It's true. Um, And I have one that goes out about 10 a.m. and one that goes out about 2 p.m. And I have Patreon asks, and I have, here's the most recent episode of my podcast. We talked about this. And I have, here's this novel that I'm podcasting. Here's, it's a mix of different things. So it isn't Patreon, Patreon, Patreon right. every single time. So this is on a pre-planned tweet, you're saying? Yeah. So in yes. the midst of the other things you're saying about your so life. I, so, I, so I use... So multiple I, times a day, you're saying. Yeah, I use Twitter and Facebook regularly. I'm on there posting stuff about mm-hmm. things that are happening. Yeah, it's not just Patreon tweets. There's lots of other things in between. I mention my Patreon campaign when I'm releasing content. And I really am focused on going to the audience. So when I'm thanking my patrons, that's my advertisement. Mm -hmm. There are many people that instead of linking to their website, they'll link to their Patreon page. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if I wanted to do that. I've I've toyed back and forth with, do I just link to the Patreon page? Or do I really want to send Mm -hmm. them back to my actual website? I've recently changed the ask in the podcast itself Mm -hmm. because I used to say, you know, thank you to my patrons and stuff like that. But because I have exclusive content, I now have an ask that says, if you like this podcast and you're not supporting it on Patreon, you're not getting the whole podcast. That's a good, yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you want the whole thing, go to patreon.com slash novellus and you'll see what else you can can get. And that has been successful. I've seen a rise in patronage after I've changed that. So any other? Conversely, I I don't believe, I think I may have only sent one social media message ever in the history of the campaign. Well, and you advertise it while you read your names. I do it only in channels. It's the only time I do it. For me, whenever I put out a new item in the Patreon, 
I'll tweet out using Patreon's links to my Twitter account. And then my Twitter is set up so that it automatically forwards to my Facebook. Yep, and it gets everywhere. So it gets everywhere. I also have the links to my Patreon in every blog post. Uh, Yes, absolutely. I apologize. I, I thought that went without saying. You're going to have that on your website. You're going to have a donate button. And you're going to announce it in, in every yeah, episode, every, at the yeah. end of episode in yeah, the credits. I consider the blog post in channel, right? Yeah. Right. That, that yeah. is effectively the So, same. Doc, you had something uh, to say before you, we wrap up. You talked earlier about reward levels for individuals donating, but I've been looking at some Patreons and noticed that people talk about unlocking yes. rewards. Milestone goals. Milestones, yes. Milestone goals. So, for yeah. me, that was going from one episode to two episodes. And that's one that I and did. For every- me, I have milestone goals for how much I'm paying authors. Yeah. And with the top level being paying a pro rate. Yeah. For me, my milestone goals is the artwork. So they get you know, above a certain threshold. It's There's a black and white illustration every month. But if we ever hit a certain threshold, again, it'll be a color illustration every month. And I would love to keep talking about this, but Freelance Hunters is coming up next. And you should check that out. But please check out Nobilis at... Nobilis.libsyn.com. And Chris at chrisluster.org. And you can find me at nimlas.org. If you want, you can come up. There's a sticker with the website on it. Or patreon.com slash nukechoss. Yeah, have fun with that. No, go to nimlas.org. There's a link. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. And if you have any questions for any of us, you can find us later at those links, I'm sure. Yep. And that was our panel. I hope you enjoyed it. Because I'm out of town, I'm recording this ahead of time, so I don't have a weekly writing report for you this week. Come back next week, and I'll fill you in on how things have been going. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorcityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082 followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And my Twitter handle is Ethereus, E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S. If you like this show, take a minute and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It makes a big difference in helping people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2017 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.